Praise the Lord. You are destined to win. God spoke to me in August of 1980 and said to proclaim the word of faith, be a showcase of ministries, and train people to fulfill the word of God. The message that you're about to hear was recorded in a live meeting where the Lord used me to teach the uncompromising word of faith. So open your heart to receive the ministry of the word of God today, and you will be changed, empowered, and motivated to fulfill the word of God in your life. Let me just set this up just a bit. Uh, if you watch my netcast, the Word of Faith netcast, where I do a video netcast, um, I started this topic there. So I'm gonna do just a little review, <laughs> and then uh, we're gonna we're gonna pick up with with the topic. Uh, what I'm doing is is talking about the two kinds of knowledge. This is a book by E. W. Kenyon uh, called "The Two Kinds of Knowledge," and uh, it was published originally, um, actually, I think in the 30s, around 1932. I'm not 100% sure because this particular uh, edition, this copy, uh, was printed in 1998. Of course, Brother Kenyon was long since, and <laughs> don't be with the Lord, so I know that that's a much later edition of the book. But uh, Kenyon's Gospel Publishing Society... Uh, printed all of his books, and uh, his family uh, has actually continued to run that organization, and they do a tremendous job uh, with that. So we'll be getting into the book just a bit uh, here in a few minutes. Before we do that, though, let's get started in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to come receive from your Holy Spirit. Father God, we just believe tonight you will reveal to us knowledge of your Word, revealed knowledge. And Father, you will guide us and direct us and instruct us in the things that you desire for us to receive here tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty, we want to talk about, as I said, the two kinds of knowledge. This is a great little book. I would encourage you to get this book if you uh, don't already have it in your library. Uh, Brother Kenyon, if you've ever read anything by E.W. Kenyon, it's one of those things where you read it and you go, what do you say? <laughs> you go back and read it again. It's just like every word that he writes is just full of so much that you read through a sentence and then you kind of feel like, I missed something, i got to go back and read it again. And, and it's like that. And, and there's just a lot of depth there. Uh, E.W. Kenyon uh, ministered, as I say, back in the 30s. Uh, Brother Hagen uh, read a lot of his materials, got a lot of information and a lot of revelation knowledge from his materials. Uh, excellent, excellent teacher uh, of, of many things. And as I say tonight, we're going to talk about the two kinds of knowledge. Now, Pastor, really, this morning, led right into this. I mean, it was like we coordinated it, and we did. Uh, he was talking about hearing from the Holy Spirit and being guided and led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that revealed knowledge from the Spirit is the, the method by which you receive this kind of knowledge that we're talking about. Uh, revealed knowledge is a Greek word uh, that Pastor has already shared with us in his teaching uh, recently, and that's epignosis. You may have heard him say epignosis. Now, epignosis is a compound word, and this is where a lot of people miss really understanding this word epignosis. It's a compound word. The first part is epi, which means above or beyond, and gnosis, which is knowledge. 
So the kind of knowledge that Gnosis is, is something that you would learn. Now, somewhere along the line, Dick learned to play the guitar. Okay? He had to learn how to play the guitar. He had to learn the chords and the chord progressions. He had to, and, and then practice it in order to really get a lot of knowledge about the guitar. Well, same thing with me and computers. The Lord never revealed to me about computers. You know, he didn't drop something in my, in my head one day and say, well, you now know all about computers. I, I learn what I learned about computers. And it's the same thing with anything, any, any subject that you pick up and read a book or whatever and learn about is gnosis. That's a body of knowledge. It's knowledge that you have gained through a means, usually the five physical senses. You either read something, saw it, you heard it, whatever. You learned it through your senses. That's gnosis. All right, so epignosis, epi, remember, means above or beyond. So above and beyond normal knowledge. So that's what revelation knowledge is all about. And this phrase, and, and of course, Pastor, as I said, has given us the definition of this uh, several times. It actually is, um, see if I can get the definition that he uses, knowledge that is um, absolute knowledge, I think is what he, he said before. An absolute knowledge. And there's so many definitions here, I'm having to kind of search through them. The short definition is knowledge, discernment, and recognition. It is knowledge of a particular point directed toward a particular object. It is perception, discernment, recognition, intuition. So there's a lot of definition in that. Okay? But then in the uh, word study concerning that, it says knowledge gained through a relationship. I like this. A relationship. It is contact knowledge that is received. Now think about that. Contact knowledge that is received. In other words, knowledge that doesn't come from something I've studied something I've read, but something that is given by an individual. Contact knowledge. You have to be in contact with somebody to get this kind of knowledge. This above and beyond the regular kind of knowledge. Now, let's see it from the scripture, and you'll notice I brought my old, my analog Bible. <laughs> Instead of my digital Bible, I got my analog Bible. Uh, this is twice in a row that I've used a regular leather-bound Bible recently. It, it, you know, it must be that we're in the last days. That's the only, only thing I can figure. All right. <laughs> uh, let's go to, um, let's start with Philippians 1.9. And uh, Belinda said the only problem with me not being amplified is that she can't always hear Philippians 1.9. She did, so that I see it up there now. <laughs> so I'm going to try not to mumble the references. So she can get them up there. Alright, Philippians 1.9 says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge. Now that's the Greek word epignosis. And all judgment. Now this kind of knowledge, again, is not normal knowledge. This is knowledge and judgment. You know, I like a definition I heard for wisdom that Brother Kenneth Copeland gave many years ago. He said, you can learn knowledge, but wisdom is the ability to use knowledge. And I'd like to kind of add a little bit to that, and I don't think he'd mind, knowledge, using knowledge properly. Now, you can use knowledge improperly. The Word of God says rightly divide the Word of Truth. 
We need to rightly divide some things. We need to, we need to discern which way we need to use the knowledge that we have access to. The next verse I want to look at is over in, uh, Romans 10-2, Romans chapter 10, verse 2, and let's back up to verse 1, kind of get the context here. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but not according to epignosis, not according to revealed knowledge. Now, why is that important in this verse? Because this is knowledge that they didn't, you know, they shouldn't be relying on their sense knowledge here. They should be relying on revealed knowledge on how to be saved. You know, they're thinking about keeping all the laws and everything they've learned throughout their life. But Paul is saying, my heart's desire and prayer for, to God for Israel is that they might be saved, for I bear them record to have a zeal of God, a lot of zeal, but not according to revelation knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. So you wouldn't be ignorant of God's righteousness if you had revelation knowledge of God's righteousness. But they're ignorant, okay? And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So submitting yourself unto the righteousness of God, see, that was outside of their understanding. They didn't get that. What do you mean, submit myself to the righteousness of God? Yeah, God's righteous, but... How do I submit myself? Well, he goes on to talk about here, verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You have to have revelation knowledge to believe something. And so they had to have revelation knowledge of Jesus and what he was doing and his mission and the fact that he became a propitiation for our sins. All the things we know now about Jesus through revelation knowledge, they didn't have. So he was saying, you know, man, they've got a lot of zeal, but they don't have the, the kind of knowledge they need. They've got some knowledge. They've got knowledge of the Old Testament. They've got knowledge of the law. They've got knowledge that they need to be saved, that there needs to be a relationship with God. They don't have the kind of knowledge they need. Now, let's, let's see if we can uh, prove that out. Let's go over to uh, Colossians 3. Kind of bouncing around here between various scriptures, but Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 um, let me back up, uh, back up to verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds, and, let's see, I'm in the wrong chapter, I knew they didn't read right. Here we go. Verse 9 of Colossians 1. I see you should have stopped me. <laughs> Brother Bill, that's not it. For this cause also... Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, let's back up here a bit. Knowledge of his will. God's will is his word. Knowledge of his word. Why? That we might have all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding is not mental understanding. It's different. Verse 10 that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, and that being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge. This word, again, is epignosis. Increasing in the revelation knowledge of God. All right? Uh, another verse of Scripture that we're maybe a little, uh, little familiar with, I'm sure, from our studies, 
is, uh, and I, I'll just tell you what, let me just share it with you because I want to get into some other things. And that is where um, Jesus was talking to the disciples. And he said, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And some said, well, you're John the Baptist. Now, you know, they were contemporaries. I'm not sure how that was supposed to work. <laughs> they lived at the same time. They were cousins. Okay. Uh, some say you're Isaiah, you know, or Isaiah. Uh, and some say that you're one of the prophets. So that's what they were saying they thought. In other words, that's what they'd heard. That's what other people had said. But Peter said, Peter had a different approach, didn't he? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, what did Jesus say? Did he say, oh, Peter, man, you're a sharp fellow. No, he didn't say that. He said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, because what? Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, let's back up. They were approaching him from Gnosis. They'd heard. You know, they'd seen all of these things that people said, all of these things that come through natural knowledge. But Peter, just out of the blue, says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Now, wait a minute. You didn't get this from man. You got this from my Father God. And he hath revealed it to you. That's that revelation knowledge. That's a different kind of knowledge. And it's the kind of knowledge that comes to you. It, it, it's like, uh, and I've heard Revelation Knowledge compared Buddy Harrison taught on this many years ago, and I heard him back in 1980, teach it on this 80 and 81. And he was talking about that uh, Revelation Knowledge is often called in the Scripture light. And people will say, I got light on that. Right? God is light. And we get light on things. And even people sitting out in the congregation, when they see something from the Scripture, somebody's teaching the Word, they see something from the Scripture, whoo, the light went off. They get it. They get revelation. That revelation is supernatural. And that's what I wanted to really get into just a little bit here tonight. This kind of knowledge is not natural knowledge. Now, uh, again, I think Pastor uses the definition where it says a clear and precise knowledge. That's one of the definitions that he, he's used for epignosis, a clear and precise knowledge. There's no question that it's clear. There's no question that it's precise, but there's also no question that it's supernatural. It's revealed. It's not just something you learn. It's something that's revealed. Now, let's look at the book. I brought it with me so I could quote a few things. Here from E.W. Kenyon. I kind of like what Pastor said. You know, He said, uh, rather than me trying to paraphrase something, I can just quote it. This is, this is written much better than I can say it. Um, in the first chapter of The Two Kinds of Knowledge, E.W. Kenyon talks about the, the title of the chapter is The Achievements and Limitations of Sense Knowledge. And one of the things he says is, the five senses, sight, feeling, hearing, tasting, and smelling, are the parents of this kind of knowledge. In other words, natural knowledge. They are not always reliable. Okay? Why? Because you can think you see something, and you really didn't see it right. Your mind kind of fills in the blanks. Have you ever seen the, the experiment they do where somebody walks into a room, and they're wearing a certain thing, they've got a certain color hair, and then they quiz everybody in the room and say, 
you know, what color hair did he have? Was he wearing glasses? And everybody gives different ideas. Well, they all saw the guy. They all had sense knowledge working, but they didn't get it. The light definitely did not go off. <laughs> okay. So anyway, it, it can be unreliable. He goes on to say the senses may become impaired by accident, carelessness, overwork, dissipation. You'll have the old terminology uses so that they are not depend to be depended upon. They are not absolutely true. Now, he then goes on to say there are certain things that man has wanted to understand, and let's, let's put it this way, cosmically speaking, man has wanted to understand some things, and the only way he's got, because he doesn't have revelation knowledge, is to use natural knowledge. And these are the things that he says, they know nothing of the reason for creation. They know that the earth was created, but why? Well, well, it just happened. Well, why do you say that? Well, that's just the way it is. No, they just don't know. <laughs> right? The reason and origin of man, the origin of life, the origin of motion, the origin of matter, the origin of force. These are the things that E.W. Kenyon lists as things that the natural man tries to understand through natural knowledge. Uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm skipping through some things here. He says the Darwinian theory of evolution was born out of man's lack of knowledge of the reason for creation, the origin of matter, of light, of motion, and of gravitation. He was unwilling to accept revelation knowledge. Well, where would you have gotten revelation knowledge concerning creation? Genesis, where it talks about God created the earth, right? And it says specifically pretty much how he did it, when he did it, a lot of information about it. But Darwin was not willing to accept that because that wasn't scientific. Okay, He had no way to test it. Science depends on testing. You put forth the hypothesis and you test it. And then testing it is not enough. It has to be repeatable, repeatable, repeatable in order to be science. So there's a difference between science and how it operates and revelation knowledge and faith and how that operates. He could have known the origin of man by reading Genesis and accepting it by faith, but he didn't do that. He was unwilling to accept revelation knowledge that at this point of his extremity would have helped him bridge the chasm and put his feet upon solid ground. His sense knowledge could not find God, so he did not believe in God. Okay? And that is, unfortunately, the, the position that man is in. If he cannot see it, touch it, taste it, etc., with his five physical senses, he's not going to believe it. He has to have revelation knowledge. All right, uh, chapter 2, the revelation. The Bible stands alone. This is the first, first uh, thing he says in, in the chapter. The Bible stands alone among the books of the world. Its outstanding characteristic, which differentiates it from every other book, is that it is a revelation from God to man. That's the thing that he centers up on as saying that makes the Bible so unique. It is the revelation of God to man. Without it, we can't know anything about God. See, that's why the Bible is so critical, and that's why the devil wants to destroy it. He's tried to make sure that it was destroyed through the ages and God supernaturally protected it. Uh, his minions are trying to destroy it today whether they're scientists, secular humanists, teaching in schools, whatever, professors in college, they all want to diminish the book. 
the Bible. And they can't, because it's God's Word. It's God's revelation to us. Now, he goes on to say, the denial and repudiation of revelation knowledge has been the darkest blot Ooh, this is good. Upon the modern scholastic mind, which owes its very growth and development to this revelation. Now, I won't go into it. I won't read all of this specifically, but he makes the point that even the advancement of science doesn't occur until the Word of God is preached in a nation. For instance, when uh, before the... Bible was printed in printed form by, by Gutenberg so that people could have it personally. The only people that had the scriptures were priests. And they locked it away, and when they would give messages, they would preach it Latin, which the people didn't even know. They were completely clueless about what the Bible said. And because they couldn't understand the Latin, they would put up stained glass windows to try to illustrate Bible stories because that's the only way they'd know anything about it. That was pitiful. And what did that result in? The dark ages, because there was no light. See? The light of revelation knowledge would have illuminated man and made it possible for him to know and have knowledge and learn, but unfortunately, it, they were prevented from doing that. Well, when Gutenberg came along and, and created the printing press and the Bible started being printed in a fairly large number, and people got a hold of it and started reading it for themselves, things began to change. And if you look at it, you know, if you were to graph it out, you would see that mankind's knowledge increased as the Word of God went forth. Now, I'm not even just talking about knowledge of the Word or knowledge of salvation. Martin Luther made the great discovery that the just shall live by faith because he read the Word. And that was news to those folks. It was it was such a, a heretical thing for him to say that uh, you know they locked him away because he dared say the just shall live by faith, which is Bible. <laughs> he just quote the scripture, okay? But that's how dark it was. But the same thing is true even today. If you have a nation that is locked away, isolated, uh, where the word of God is not freely preached. I hate to just be blunt, but the folks there aren't so smart. North Korea comes to mind. They believe that Kim Jong-un, who's the son of Kim Jong-il, is a god. And then we'll never say anything negative about him. Guy's a knucklehead. But they don't see it. They don't know it. It's like their eyes are completely blinded. They don't have light on that. There are a few that do, and they usually try to get out of the country. Because, I mean, it's a, it's a mess there. People can't eat. They can't. They don't have enough food, money, every, anything. And yet they say to the rest of the country, we've got it made. The West is evil. And the people believe it. They buy it and go on. So if light were preached and light came to the fore in man there, I think some things would change. Which is why, you know, not only are we to, to preach the gospel to the earth because God instructed us to do so, go ye, we're all to go ye. Well, as we go and preach the gospel, people get born again. That's great, praise the Lord. But you know what the side effect is? People get revelation, knowledge even, of natural things. 
Let me give you a good example. Blaine and I were talking about this coming down the road. Columbus. Everybody knows the story of Columbus, 1492, sailed the ocean blue, all that good stuff. But you know why he sailed the ocean blue? Because he read in the Bible that the earth, the way God spoke of the earth, is of the circumference of the earth. Now back then, they thought the earth was flat. Every person in high society, high learning, going to college, whatever, thought the earth was flat. Now we kind of think of that and go, oh my goodness. How stupid can you be? But that's what they were taught. That's what they believed. That's what was considered truth. He came along and read the scripture that the earth was the circumference of the earth. It could be a circumference unless it's a circle, which meant it had to be a sphere. And, of course, they believed the earth was flat because ships, as they would go off at a distance, would fall off the edge and disappear. And they thought, see? Well, Columbus had insight because he had revelation knowledge from the Word. And so he started, we were talking about this coming down the road, he started observing more closely. And what he did is he saw that the ships weren't just falling off the edge of the world, it was the lower part of the ship that disappeared, and then the mast was still there, and then the top of the mast was the last thing to go under, if you will, or, or below the, the line of sight. So what he theorized was, if the earth's round, and they went over that rounded piece, <laughs> your line of sight would cause that to drop off. And so he started to say, well, even my observation demonstrates that the earth is round. Now, he had to go to Queen Isabella and try to convince her the earth's round. He showed her the scriptures. He sh went and took her out and showed her how the ships would go over the horizon and drop off slowly. And so she believed that he was right. And so she uh, sanctioned and financed his expedition to the New World. And that's how he discovered America. Now, you can argue, well, Leif Erikson and his bunch, you know, the Vikings discovered it first. Well, they didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Columbus at least did it and went and told people. So anyway, and the thing is, it's fascinating to do a little study on Columbus and find out what he believed based on what God had revealed to him. He believed that he was going to discover a land. Now, he believed it was the Indies. He was searching for the Indies. But he believed he was going to discover a land which was going to be very important to God. And that land was going to be a key to the future of God's plan. And that turned out he discovered America. And, of course, we know America is critical to God's plan because we preach the gospel to the world more than any other nation. Fascinating to read everything about Christopher Columbus. He is vilified today. But you know what? The main One of the main reasons I think they would vilify him today is because he relied so much on Revelation knowledge. His relationship with the Lord. Alright. Uh, some sense knowledge facts. This is chapter 3. I'm just reading, like I say, bits and pieces here. Uh, he's talking about sense knowledge facts in the sense of what people deal with when they deal with sense knowledge. And he talks about no one has ever seen an atom, yet the scientific world profoundly believes in them. No one has ever seen an electron, and yet men spend years searching for them. Now, again, you got to remember this is written in the 30s. There have been some electron microscopes now that have seen atoms. Okay, So at this time, this is true. 
But let's keep going with these examples here. The silent pictures thrown upon the screen mean nothing to the blind. Okay? Noisy radios mean nothing to the deaf. The deeply spiritual things mean nothing to a man of sense knowledge who has dwarfed his spirit nature, kept it in bondage, underdeveloped, like a child chained in a garret without book or instruction. Is it any wonder the psalmist cried, Bring my soul out of prison, and I will praise thee. Really tremendous insight into the into the fact that sense knowledge is not the be-all and end-all that we've heard it was through science. Chapter 4, first part of that, Experience is the Best Teacher, is the title. And it says, this is the slogan of sense knowledge. Seeing is believing is another favorite. You think about mankind. Experience is the best teacher. Seeing is believing. All of those things are really not true. Revelation knowledge is a higher level of knowledge. He goes on to say here, Revelation or faith knowledge seems unbelievable and impossible to the man who has only sense knowledge. It's only through revelation knowledge, only through this divine revelation or faith knowledge, as he calls it, that we can even comprehend God to any degree. Um, now, I'll think that, uh, let's see if I had another quote that I wanted to talk about here. I think those are the key ones. But the thing is, part of what Pastor was talking about this morning, if you remember, was, for instance, his discussion of uh, when he was just born again and got the revelation that he was supposed to go to the Orient. And he thought it was next week. That's usually the way it is when we get something from the Lord. Oh, wow, I've got to jump run. Well, no, it turned out to be 20 years before it was finally fulfilled. And I think we've all probably had those kinds of situations where the Lord will reveal something to us, and we think, oh, I know what it means. No, we don't. <laughs> but let me, let me give you an example of this. And I thought about this uh, as, as an example earlier today when I was kind of pondering, how do I get this across? I was sitting back there next to the last row in this church, and we had a, it was a Sunday night, just like tonight, but pastor said, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to pray. I'm not going to have teaching, we're just going to pray. And, uh, and everybody just, you're just going to, you know, take some time praying in the Holy Ghost. Okay, fine. So I'm sitting back there on the next to the last row and I prayed in the Holy Ghost. Mine and my own Okay. And the Lord said, now I don't, I didn't hear a voice in my ears, but it came up out of my spirit. The Lord said, there needs to be a word of faith road through channel. I went, okay. I'm down with that. Yeah. <laughs> And then I heard it again. There needs to be a word of faith rescue camp. And I'm like, well, praise the Lord. That's, that's good. And then I got, because he said it twice, <laughs> I kind of thought, okay, Lord, you want me to do something about this? And I thought, well, I can't do anything about this because I can't program a Roku channel. I don't, I don't know the first thing about it. I don't even know how to get started. I've watched them. <laughs> I know how it works in that sense, but I don't know how to program one. I'm like, Lord. And then he says the third time, there needs to be a word of faith Roku channel. Well, by this point, I'm like, all right. Okay. Some way, somehow, I don't know how it's going to happen. So then I started meditating on that. And I, you know, see, here's where we, we take a word, make a sentence out of it. I heard somebody say it many years ago. 
Take a word of the Lord, make a sentence out of it. That's exactly what I did. I meditated on that. I thought about that. I said, okay, Lord, how are we going to do this? And I start scheming. <laughs> and so it dawned on me.